0: Chapter One of the Laughing Bear and Other Stories. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Laughing Bear and Other Stories by Robert Bloomer Hare Bell. The Laughing Bear or Moo Woo the Deliverer. A long time ago at Seoul the capital of korea now under the control of japan lived a king and queen who had a little daughter called chonwa the little princess grew in the sunshine of her parents love until she reached the age of eight then it was announced that according to the custom of her country her betrothal was to be arranged by the state THE MOTHER LED HER INTO THE BEAUTIFUL GARDEN AND TRIED TO SHOW THE PERPLEXED GIRL WHY THE RULES OF THE COURT REQUIRED THAT A KING'S CHILD SHOULD BE MARRIED FOR THE SAKE OF THE COUNTRY. SO FIXED WERE THEIR MINDS ON THIS SUBJECT THAT NEITHER OF THEM NOTICED A DARK, FIERCE-LOOKING MAN CREEPING AFTER THEM. NONE BUT A VERY BOLD MAN WOULD HAVE DARED COME THUS INTO THE KING'S PRIVATE GROUNDS. HE FOLLOWED WITH FIERCE GLANCES EVERY MOVEMENT OF THE INNOCENT pair when the queen and her child sat down on a bench to watch a turtle dove drink at the fountain the man crawled toward them with a long knife in his teeth he was almost upon them when the queen happened to see him before she could even cry for help the ruffian stabbed her twice courageously the little princess sprang upon the man and scratched his face he drew back from the unexpected attack then rushed at the defiant little maiden seized her by the waist and carried her off in his arms Just as he reached the gate, he was stopped by an encounter that he little expected. He found himself face to face with an ugly, grinning bear. The man placed his frightened burden on the ground, then reached for his bloody knife and sprang at the huge bear. The bear sat up, still grinning. When the man came near enough, she struck him such a blow on the head that he went sprawling to the ground and the knife flew out of his hand. The man lay where he had fallen with his ashen face turned toward the setting sun. Bruin waddled over to him and pushed him with her nose to see if he would move. He showed no sign of life. Then the bear turned and tried to pull the princess by the sleeve toward the palace. Chonwa was not at all afraid of her rescuer and followed her willingly. They had not gone far when they were met by the king's guards, who came rushing toward them in frantic haste. The child hesitated between them and her rescuer, but when the captain laid hold of her the bear turned and trotted away chanwa told her father and his court of the attack and the rescue but only the guard believed the bear part of the tale and when after a long hunt no trace of bear or robber was found the king dropped the whole affair the queen mother had a long illness from which her recovery was hastened by the sight of her darling daughter whom she had given up as lost The princess never forgot her shaggy deliverer, but looked daily for her return. Time passed rapidly at the court, and it did not seem long till four years had rolled away. By this time, according to the custom of her nation, Chonwa, though only twelve years old, was considered ready for marriage. She was taken into the inner palace and clothed like a woman. A hateful chanotte, or veil, was put over her face so that boys could not see her. Her only playmate was a harsh old governess who scolded her all the time, so that poor Chanwa often wished herself dead. Among her former boyfriends was a young prince, whom Chanwa considered her best playmate. One day she stole from the palace unseen by her governess and met this boy prince whose name was Musan. They were found out, and two days later the young prince was banished and Chanwa was betrothed to a sixty-year-old prince whom she had never seen. Her protests were all in vain, for it was considered an honorable marriage arranged by the state for the benefit of the people of Korea. Imagine chun misery when she beheld her betrothed. His name was Ham Kang, which made one think of dead pig. He looked like a pig, too, and snored loudly even in the daytime when he was not being amused. When he walked, he waddled like a very fat porker. Chanwa cried for days, but she could not stop the marriage arrangements, and at last the wedding day arrived. The palace was beautifully decorated, and the guests were all assembled. Just as the king gave the command for the ceremony to begin, a loud growl was heard coming from the entrance. The priest stopped his preparations and fled. No wonder, for at that instant came into the room a great bear, Chanwa's friend. The queen fainted and the king in trying to help her stumbled headlong over her prince hammy so they called him at the court drawing his sword made an awkward thrust at the beast who raised a great paw and smote him on the head rolling him over and over like a barrel by this time the company had scattered and hid the princess was delighted to see her old friend and she gave bruin a tight hug the guests venturing from their hiding places were more astonished than before still more were they amazed to see chanwa bestride the grinning bear and ride out of the palace out into the garden she rode past the soldiers down the busy street and into the neighboring forest the king and queen were wild with grief and the unlucky hammy chagrined at his bride's escape bit his long fingernails a reward was offered for the head of the old bear and the hand of the princess was promised to the young man who should bring chanwa safely home Meanwhile, as Chanwa dismounted in the forest, she became aware of a young man coming toward her. He was dressed in white and carried a black broad-brimmed hat. Chanwa at once recognized Musan, the banished prince. I cannot tell you, said the prince, how thankful I am to find you. I have waited all these months wondering what had become of you. Bruin gathered the two thankful children in her arms and opening her mouth began to talk. My dear Chanwa, she began. I have come to bring you to a land more beautiful than any you have ever imagined where play is as work and work is as play we shall proceed to the eastern mountains and then trace the beautiful river Kang to the sea finally to settle down in a wonderful home by ourselves but her words of comfort were interrupted by the appearance of a funny-looking fat man his eyebrows were so long that he had them braided and they hung over his ears like spectacles Between his thumb and finger he held a highly polished stone. He explained that he was Humak, the stone doctor who could cure all diseases. The bear growled, but Chonwa begged the stone doctor to cure her eyes, which had been weakened from wearing the veil. Whereupon he slapped his knees and held the stone before her gaze. Suddenly the girl felt a peculiar dizziness. She felt her eyes getting larger and larger, and the doctor kept getting bigger and bigger. And then she knew no more. She had fainted. Musang caught her as she fell, and the bear lifted her right paw and smote the doctor a heavy blow. He went sprawling to the grass, and his stone lodged in a nearby tree. It took some time to revive the girl. Meanwhile, the doctor had recovered sufficiently to sit up. He was a pitiful-looking object. His eyes were bloodshot, and his hair stood up as if he had had a bad dream. Oh, give me my stone! Oh, give me my precious stone! Oh! moaned the doleful old clack. Mewoo growled, showing her great white teeth and raising her terrible paw, at which he became silent. But so angered was Musan by the false doctor's wicked trick that he rushed upon him, grabbed his eyebrow whiskers, and dragged him off howling. Scarcely had the two disappeared from view of the others than the quack sprang like a tiger upon the young prince and bore him to the ground. Then he placed his hand upon the boy's mouth to prevent him from yelling for help now hissed the furious humak who was twice as strong as any ordinary man i shall teach you a thing or two musan struggled to escape but the strong one planted a heavy foot on his neck and kept it there till he was senseless cautiously the villain looked around lest someone should see then dragged his victim to his den when the princess had revived completely the bear persuaded her to mount her back again bruin at this time had not guessed that there was anything wrong with her other charge so when the princess asked her where musan was she merely replied that he had gone to punish the doctor they had not gone very far when they saw a snake charming a little bird the bird could not move from its perch but stood screaming and flapping its wings in terror the old bear rushed at the reptile and struck it a deadly blow at once the grateful bird flew to its rescuers It perched upon the shoulder of the girl and rubbed its smooth feathers against her cheek while the snake wiggled away to die. So this queer trio passed through the woods, the bird on Chonwa's shoulder and the girl on the bear's back. They were surprised and delighted when they came to a little thatched shanty on which was a sign with the words, Rest for the weary. Do let us rest here till Musan catches up, begged eager Chonwa. She dismounted, approached the house, and peered in. There she saw, to her delight, a beautiful woman lying on a couch reading. She knocked gently, and the woman came out smiling and holding a glass of wine. Chanwa was very thirsty, but when she was about to take a drink, the woman opened her mouth, and behold, a cloven tongue darted out. Chanwa dropped the glass and fled in fear. The woman was the serpent come to life again. The instant Chanwa saw her mistake, the woman changed back into the snake and began to pursue her. The bear was some distance away and so could not help her charge. The snake was almost upon the princess when the little bird flew with all its strength against the open mouth of the reptile. By flapping its tiny wings in the serpent's eyes, the bird prevented it from biting. But the frail rescuer received the blow intended for Chanwa and fell to the ground in great agony though it was not seen by the others. Mewu quickly arrived at the scene of danger angry as fire she smote the snake a terrible blow on the head crushing it then unable to find the gallant bird the two went on finally they came to a very pretty resting place by a brook that gurgled and sang a sweet song all day and all night like a good mother the bear placed the girl on a patch of moss and sang her to sleep when chanwa awoke she was much refreshed and at once inquired about musan the bear too had been worrying about the prince to the princess she said do not be afraid i'll go in search of him stay right in this spot and do not believe everything that you hear so saying she lumbered out of sight no sooner had the bear mother gone than the little wounded bird came crawling toward the maid i am dying my dear friend it sobbed and i want to see you before i go you have been so good to me then the bird's voice became faint and its eyes opened wide as in a death stare oh oh sobbed chanwa you must not die you saved my life but the bird was past saving for the poison was doing its work quickly at that instant a voice was heard calling sweetly mushrooms mushrooms sheer cure for all diseases this way gentle girl i can help you see how delicious chanwa saw a strange little humpback man he was scarcely three feet tall his face looked old but his voice was like that of a little choir boy in a dish he carried about a dozen mushrooms They were hot and had been roasted in butter and salt and they filled the air with a fragrance that made chanwa's mouth water but she remembering how the woman had fooled her was afraid who are you demanded chanwa i am a great cook said the man bowing low i have cooked for your father many a time you have tasted my dishes before i am now cooking for the queen of the forest see princess just try it on that little bird my cooking acts like medicine with chanwa's consent he thrust a little particle down the bird's throat the bird revived instantly and stood up and chirruped with delight nevertheless the mushrooms were poison the hunchback was mikado the snake woman's slave and the mushrooms were the wicked woman turned into food as poison cures poison the poison mushrooms had acted as an antidote and the bird was saved but the child not knowing the laws of chemistry believed that the mushrooms were good food as well as fine medicine so she helped herself to the appetizing dainties. soon she felt drowsy and laid herself down the hunchback kicked his heels in the air and danced with joy i am saved he shouted he had been promised a straight back such as he had before he followed the evil woman if he could succeed in destroying one life ha ha my back will soon be straight he sang out ha am i not clever already i feel my hump getting drake growled moo-woo who at that moment appeared her tongue hung out red with heat and her breast was covered with flaked foam her eyes blazed fire and her voice sounded like the rumbling of thunder the cook's tune of mirth was instantly changed to wails for mercy his hair stood on end his jaws relaxed and his eyes almost swelled out yes said the bear i'll straighten you miserable cook she lifted her huge paw and brought it down with terrible force upon the hump ouch ouch yelled the dancer as his hump pushed through and thrust out before him he was hump-chested now there said the bear henceforth you'll follow your hump you don't have to carry it on your back any more while woo was dealing with the cook the little bird was furiously picking at chonwa's swollen neck she picked and picked until a hole was made in the skin immediately a snake ran out and disappeared in the grass moowoo turned to the princess and began to scratch her arm several snakes fell out and the bear killed them again and again she scratched till more than twenty snakes had come out and been killed the princess was soon entirely well as it was growing dark the mother made a cozy bed of leaves and bade her good-night with a prayer for the safety of musan chanwa fell asleep in the morning just before they started on their hunt the bird took a little flight to exercise its wings it returned with the information that the hunchback was lying not far away in much pain following the bird Chonwa and the bear found the hunchback rolling on the ground apparently too weak to stand he thought his head had been twisted round because he could see his hump a thing he could never do before he had spent the greater part of the night in rolling over and over trying to twist his head so that the back would be where the face was when he saw the bear he begged her to untwist him I'll twist your little pinhead for you, you rascal, she said, if that is all you want. So saying, with one wrench she turned his face around till he was really looking backward. The man rose to his feet with great difficulty and proceeded to walk, but to his astonishment he walked backward. His feet went the usual way, but as his head was looking backward he could not see where he was going and he bumped into a tree. He tried to walk the way his nose pointed and he fell again and again. At last he gave it up and sat down he was more confused than ever to find himself buckling up in the way opposite to that to which he had been accustomed finally down he went as his body would have it and he found his nose against the tree instead of the back of his head sobbing loudly he took his head in his hands and wept tears down the back of his neck oh dear bear cure me he moaned i am a miserable sinner and i deserve it all but please give me a chance and i shall do better in the future never again shall i associate with that snake woman never i want to be good this was the very thing that the bear wanted for it was very hard for her to seem so cruel to one in such pain the little princess who had been crying nodded approvingly at the bear who immediately caught the man in her arms and righted his head to the proper place then she laid him on the ground and with one great whack made him a straight man again the wicked snake woman had bent him in making him do her bidding Now that he was well, he became a convert to the new life and was added to the company of the three. He volunteered to guide them to the house where the doctor lived. They started none too soon to look for Musan, who at that time lay bound in a horrible den some distance off. After the quack had deposited the prince in his own cave, he went in search of his precious stone, which he quickly found. He returned in great glee to the cave entering he sat on a low stool facing the boy who was bound so that he could not move the doctor then called for his pipe and a horrid lizard crawled toward him with the pipe in its mouth then the man called loudly for his tobacco and a great turtle crawled forward with it on its back slowly the doctor filled his pipe and lighted it at the first puff his mouth was filled with dirt from the foul pipe and he jumped in the air yelling loudly he landed on the turtle and slipped in his anger he kicked the lizard and jumped again and again on the turtle's back at which the turtle seized him by the leg it was a grand mix-up for a few minutes the prince could not help laughing and once started he laughed till the tears rolled down his face finally the doctor freed himself from the turtle and rushed to the boy you are laughing eh he exclaimed shaking his fist at musan i shall soon have you silenced from his pocket he took his polished stone which he placed in the prince's mouth in a few minutes the boy was completely paralyzed with his eyes wide open and his hearing gone he lay rigid all night at break of day the quack came to his side and said young man i have made up my mind to teach you my art on one condition my work on earth is to make all men as miserable as possible when i see a man at the height of his ambition i step in and compel him to make a fool of himself and down and out he goes ah if i cannot ruin him that way i tell something nasty about him to some deluded soul who spreads the news to the mob and presto my man is done for again i like to throw a microbe into the stomach of a healthy person and watch him squirm. come join me and i will teach you the art of the magic stone freed from the spell at the doctor's will the boy sat up and stretched his arms but he shook his head to the proposal very well then said the angry quack then he fastened about the prince's neck a chain attached to a pole and left the cave at once a great swarm of ants came running toward the boy he fought them off till he fell exhausted to the floor his body covered with the nipping insects the pain of a thousand bites made him feel that his end was near and he closed his eyes praying for death the quack came again and offered him freedom if he would become one of his followers the prince made no reply so his tormentor sat down to enjoy the sight of his dying victim suddenly the cave was darkened the doctor turned and saw the bear staggering to his feet he fled to an inner recess like a flash the bear rushed over the ants freed the boy from his chains carried him out placed him upon the green grass and began to lick his wounds in a few moments the prince opened his eyes and upon the arrival of the princess and the little man he was smiling water was brought from a nearby stream and mikado washed musan's body and limbs mikado said the bear I am going to find the quack and get his magic stone. Please look after things while I am gone. I'll cure the boy with the rascal's magic. In a few minutes the bear returned, holding in her paw the glistening stone. Now, said she, let all wish that the prince may become well again, and you, my dear Musan, look at this stone. They did so, and Musan recovered immediately. The poor boy could scarcely believe that he was well again, and that his dear Chonwa was with him. Then Mewoo gathered the children in her furry embrace i am glad to have both of you alive with me this day and that i can speak to you knowing that you will understand obedience is the law of all creation and he that disobeys will come to a very bad end all the pain that you have witnessed and some that you have endured has come from disobedience to the law of kindness but we shall forget the past and only think of the future i have the doctor's stone and by this we shall be able to undo all the evil conjured up by that miserable fellow The man himself I marked with a Q, meaning quack, so that all who see him may know the truth. Come, let us be going to the great South Country. The four picked up the trail and proceeded to the land of sunshine and joy, ever obedient to the old bear. The prince and princess were married when they grew up, and lived very happily to ripe old age. And the rest of the story you will find written in the annals of Korea. End of chapter 1